Hey everyone, I'm Mackenzie. And I'm Haley. We are two sisters and best friends, and we're the hosts of Real Talk About Feminism, a podcast for female empowerment. Each week, we release a new episode. We talk about everything from periods to current events. And different types of feminism to worse first dates. Subscribe on Spotify, YouTube, and Apple Podcasts, and tune in each week. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody. Today's episode is episode 31, and we have a Halloween special for you guys today. This will be released on Halloween. Yes, and the thing that's so funny about this is it's episode 31, and we're releasing it on the 31st of October. Yeah. How perfect. So So perfect. Yeah, Yeah, so today, because we realized, like, this would be released on Halloween, we were like, why don't we do like more of a Halloween spooky episode? So today we're going to talk about some female serial killers and we're in no way like worshiping them or like trying to give them any more notoriety than they have. We want to focus on like how they grew up, what caused them to murder people and live their lives that way. Um, and then we want to focus on resources for how to get help for sexual abuse, physical abuse, mental health. Yeah. Um, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Those are the patterns, but before we do that, let's just, I want to hear about your week. How was everything? This past week was pretty good, actually. Ever since you explained to me what Mercury in retrograde meant, so much has made sense since it's not in retrograde anymore, right? Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. I don't really know all the horoscope stuff like Haley does. So anytime I have a question about it, I ask her and she's like, oh, this means this. And for your sign, this means that you should be doing this. <laughs> um, well, I'm in no means an expert at all, but, but you I do have like a general learn. understanding. Yeah. 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 Um, um, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I was going to say, I agree with you. Like before we hopped on here and started recording, I literally said, this has been the best 24 hours for me. Like the past 24 hours yeah. have been so good. And yeah, you're right. Like Mercury is no longer in retrograde. And that was kind of rough for me, um, that whole thing. But now I feel really great. Balance is restored. And I totally agree with you. Yeah. At first I was like, that is such a myth. Like that cannot be true. And then literally like when it wasn't in retrograde anymore, I was like, oh my gosh, like I feel so good. And I can't explain it. Like, that must be the explanation. Like, I feel like everything is just, like, more clear for, like, what I want to do. Like, I finally Mm -hmm. got caught up with my schoolwork. And, like, things are just kind of coming into place, I guess. Mm -hmm. So I do feel good, too. Right. And I think the thing is, even if people, like, don't believe in horoscopes or believe in the signs and everything like that, I, like, with Mercury in retrograde, it has to do with the positioning, like, of the planets. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, how could that not affect the general energy because of the way that we're positioned? And so even if you don't believe in all of that stuff, like, there was definitely a shift in energy because of the way that we were positioned, like, relative to the universe. And so it's just interesting to me. Like, definitely there was a shift in energy. Yeah, and I feel like collectively, like... Mm -hmm. on like social media like I feel like people are like happier like people that we come into contact with are just like 
have more energy to them right. than we have like the past month or so. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And ever since you told me to download the horoscope app, like where mm-hmm. it tells you like for the next coming week, the next day, it is so accurate. It's scary yeah. accurate. Yeah. I uh, was reading mine last night. I read it late last night and that was one of those times I was like, well, that does not apply to me, but <laughs> most of the times it does apply. Uh huh. Pretty cool. That's so fun. Well, I'm yeah. so glad it was a good week for you. It was a good week for me too. Like I just felt really productive. I've been doing this. Like I personally, I've been pushing myself to be more, um, what's the word? Be more like, oh, productive. <laughs> I was thinking like <laughs> proactive. Um, well, that was, too. Yeah. I've just been pushing yeah. myself to be more productive and not just like when I when I get off of work, I don't just lay down in my bed and sit on TikTok for 30 minutes or an hour. Like I, I've been doing my letter a day thing, which if you guys follow me on my personal account, it's this little challenge that I created and I'm just writing a letter a day. And um, it's been really cool. So I've, I've made that part of my routine and I do it right when I clock out just so that I can get it done. And it's just helped me be really productive. And so like, instead of just sitting around and not doing anything because I got into a pattern of just kind of being a bum because I'm not in school right now like I'm taking my my semester off so I don't have homework or anything like that and I work from home so it's really easy to be lazy but the past like two two and a half weeks I've been very productive and I've just been on this personal journey and it's been really good that's cool the reason I said like proactive is because at Sadie's volleyball game on Thursday, we were sitting in the bleachers and we were <laughs> adding the reminders app as a widget on our phone. And we were like sorting through like our reminders that we set for ourselves. And we were talking about how it's really helped both of us like stay on track. And like, I love about that app, like you can split it into different sections. Like I literally have like a school one, podcast, health, mm-hmm. um, personal. So it's really helpful yeah that was fun (laughs) it is helpful and I like to see I'm not I'm not one to write things down in a planner and get all of that going but I like in my notes app I have a random note and I just write down everything I need to do or everything I think of or want to do but when I have the reminder app as a widget then I can take things off the list and I can see it right there like oh yeah that's what I needed to do like it's so helpful and it 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 was really fun going through our list together yeah that was a fun night yeah (laughs) we were just in a silly goofy mood like literally we we were watching Sadie but like Mm -hmm. we were just bantering back and forth it was so fun it was so funny. Yeah, we'll, we're going to talk about that in like another episode because we were just coming up with the funniest ideas and we were saying like, <laughs> we wish that we were mic'd up <laughs> so we could just record like a random bonus episode one week and like release it because it was we were just being so funny. We probably were the only ones that thought we were funny, but yeah, it was funny. No, it was hilarious. We kept like doing this bit of like pick me energy. So yeah. like anytime somebody did something, we were like pick me pygmy energy Mm -hmm. like it was so funny so funny and like it was just so exaggerated like not all of it was pygmy energy but it was just so funny well anyways that was fun maybe we will release a bonus episode one week and just like yeah answering around well because I feel like we like have a fun time together like 
-hmm. we just go through these random times where we just like laugh the whole time or like when we're editing sometimes like everything is funny Mm -hmm. it would be fun to like be mic'd up constantly yeah (laughs) reality show yeah (laughs) sign us on sign us someone okay all right should we get into it yeah Okay, so today's feminist highlight is the opposite of a female serial killer. <laughs> it is Miss Brene Brown, and I'm sure you guys have heard of her. She's total icon. Classic. She, yes, totally classic. She is most known from her TED Talk called The Power of Vulnerability, which has over 50 million views and is one of the top five most viewed TED Talks in the world. She is a research professor at the University of Houston where she is also the chair at the Graduate College of Social Work. She has five number one New York Times bestselling books. And in addition to that, she also hosts two podcasts. One of them is called Unlocking Us and then Dare to Lead. And I actually listen to Unlocking Us and it's a great podcast. So definitely check it out. Um, her, one of her mottos is quote, owning our story and loving ourselves through that process is the bravest thing we'll ever do. And then she also on her media kit on her website, which will be linked in the sources in the show notes. She said, quote, I've spent the past two decades studying courage, vulnerability, shame, and empathy. So she's a really all around, all around amazing person. And she's really dedicated her life to helping people find themselves, live their best lives, and not feel shame around the common things that we are shameful about in ourselves and in our lives. Yeah, she's definitely an inspirational icon. I follow her on LinkedIn, and lately I've become obsessed with LinkedIn. So that was the most adult thing you've ever said. Thank you. (laughs) You love LinkedIn. I like discovered LinkedIn and it's just amazing. So I'm obsessed with it. But um, yeah, I follow her on LinkedIn and she posts some pretty inspirational content. So definitely check her out. I mean, if you haven't at least heard of the name, then you're living under a rock because everyone's heard of her name. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. She's pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. So that was Brene Brown. Um, we're going to get into the, (laughs) okay, this is so funny. serial killers. (laughs) So this is a little background, you guys. So last night was one of those times when I was in a silly, goofy mood and I was planning out, I was starting to do some research and, um, I knew that Kent was going to go look at this document tomorrow where we have all of our notes written out. And so I wrote, um, the chunk of the episode and I thought it was so funny that I called it the chunk like oh and then I deleted it (laughs) yeah you deleted it I totally deleted it because the way we format on our document is totally different like you can tell who planned most of the episode by how it's organized Mm -hmm. I'm sorry I deleted it (laughs) it was just funny like I was like she's gonna I like typed it out and I was like she'll get a kick out of that tomorrow I don't know if you actually did (laughs) you didn't (laughs) I didn't. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I mean, thought I thought it was, it was so funny. funny. I was like, she put chunks. She usually just puts like episode. Yeah. So anyways, getting into the chunk of things. Um, <laughs> our first lady, I guess, that we're going to highlight. Her name is Juana Barasa. <laughs> I, I just, 
I took one semester of Spanish and um, I think I can have perfect pronunciation. So I'm just not going to say it with an accent because I obviously butchered that. So Juana Barraza, um, she was a former wrestler in Mexico. What? Which I know, which was really random. But um, she was a wrestler and she was nicknamed um, La Mata Villajitas. Let me play this little clip because I had my friend pronounce this for me. And once I hear him pronounce it, then um, I'll be able to. Se dice La Mata Viejitas. Okay. La Mata Viejitas. So La Mata Viejitas. La Mata Viejitas. La Mata Viejitas. Okay, no. <laughs> so she, her nickname was La Mata Viejita. Okay, I already pr- forgot. But um, that basically means the killer of old ladies, which is kind of spooky. That is um, spooky. So she was sentenced to 759 years in prison on 11 counts of murder. But although she was only sentenced to 11, it's believed that she actually murdered between 24 and 49 people. And her main victims were old women. So there were several old women found strangled in the city of Mexico. And they were all strangled by Juana. So, yeah, like she... That's insane. Like, strangulation is so, like, up close and personal. And, like, you really... While she was a wrestler, I was going to say, you really have to, like, put some strength into it. Yeah. And this... She was found in the 90s like that was like her time she i think believe she was convicted in 2001 um but when i was reading about her story when they found like these old ladies being strangled they immediately started looking for a man because they were like this is like Mm -hmm. such a violent crime and normally women aren't known to have those types of murders that is right it's very rare yeah it's like so up close and personal normally it's like poison or like drowning different things like that I guess drowning is pretty violent but um yeah so they immediately started looking for a man and then when they found out it was her they were like shocked because it was such a violent crime um and so basically her upbringing her background Her mother was a severe alcoholic, and she was constantly abusing Juana, like, all throughout her childhood. And her mother would do anything for alcohol, and she ended up selling Juana to a man for three beers. Oh, that's awful. Which is extremely depressing. Like, so Juana was sold to this man for three beers, and she was only 13 years old. And Juana, she did not know her father, but she her she knew her stepfather. And she thought at first it was a joke that she was, like, sold to this man. And so she was waiting for her mom to pick her up. And she never showed. And then she was waiting for her stepdad because she was like, this would never happen. Like, he would come get me. And... N- Like, she was never picked up, and so this man that she was sold to tied her to his bed and would rape her over and over again for the next five years, and she had to get an abortion at one point, and turns out her mother actually lied to everyone in her family and said that Juana had run away, and... So that's why nobody came, like, looking for her because the story that her mother made up made it seem like she was, like, gone. Like, 
that was it. And then later, like five years after they found out and her uncles actually came and rescued her. Um, but on camera after Juana was convicted of all of these murders of these old ladies, um, she stated that she murdered older women because her mother was so abusive and sold her to this man. And she said, this is why I hate like old ladies because it reminded her of her mother who had sold her and done this terrible thing. And in no way does this excuse all of her horribly violent murders, but that's kind of a background on why she did it and her upbringing. Like she was raped like from 13 years old for the next five years, like tied to a bed. So awful. Yeah. It's one of those things where like you can feel bad for the child because that's terrible. No one should ever have to go through that. You feel bad for the child, not the adult. Because she did right. choose to do that. She could have gone on a different path, made the best of it. She didn't. She chose very violent. Yes. Yeah, very violent. Very, very sad, though. Yeah, so that was Juana Barraza. The next one is Beverly Allett. And she was nicknamed the Angel of Death. That's very spooky. She was convicted in 1993 for murdering five children by making them overdose on insulin. Oh, my gosh. That's awful. Yeah. She was diagnosed with Munchausen Munchausen by proxy. (laughs) Munchausen. (laughs) Munchausen. (laughs) Munchausen. So, like with most serial killers, they usually have, like, a traumatic upbringing. Mm -hmm. So... When she was a kid, she exhibited attention-seeking behaviors. Um, Examples of this were wearing bandages and casts over wounds that she would use to draw attention to herself without actually allowing the injuries to be examined. I'm sorry. Pick me energy. Pick me (laughs) energy. Pick me energy. At its finest. Oh, my gosh. Okay. And while I was reading that, I was thinking, like, we all knew somebody in middle school (laughs) who would do this. The knee brace. The knee brace girl. Yes. Always wearing a knee brace for no reason. Always. Or the crutches. That was top of the cherry. Okay. That hits home because I was on crutches for like (laughs) three years. But you weren't doing it for attention. Like you actually needed them. (laughs) No. But anyways, moving on. Okay. So she was a pick me girl. Um, She had her perfectly healthy appendix removed and then she interfered with the scar to cause more injury, more injury and more medical attention. Girl, mm-hmm. she was known to self-harm. That's really sad. The medical professionals became very familiar with her attention-seeking behavior. So as a result of that, she had to change doctors a lot. And she was diagnosed with Munchausen as a teenager and then later with Munchausen by proxy. Okay. So she was diagnosed very, very early with that. Yeah, and the whole thing was with her, like, um, she was a nurse, and that's how she caused so many kids to overdose on insulin, and another little girl actually overdosed, but they were able to revive her, so she lived, but yeah, she, like, went to nursing school, and at first, like, and, like, for those people who don't know, like, Munchausen is when you, like, think everything is wrong with you. But you do it so that you can get attention. And it's a mental disorder. It's not just like doing it so that you can get attention. It is a mental disorder. But the purpose is to get attention. And 
then Munchausen by proxy is making th- something wrong with or highlighting everything that's wrong with someone else for you to get attention. So like if you're the caretaker, like what's the show? Yeah. I was just thinking like Gypsy Rose. Gypsy Rose. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, like there's a, a show called The Act on Hulu that um, tells the story. Obviously it's like all actors and like some things are kind of exaggerated for TV effect, but it's really sad. Like I watched that show, but it was really sad to watch. Like I had to take a break in between a few episodes just because it, it's so sad and it really is a mental illness. I could not finish it because you know me, I don't like watch. I get like scared easily. Yeah. You don't like, like dark shows and stuff. Yeah. It was like dark. So, and like, that's not scary at all, but it's just like dark because it really is a mental disorder. And so it's interesting that she became a nurse because like these weren't even her kids that she was like, it was like Munchausen by proxy over. Mm -hmm. It was like her patients, which is Mm -hmm. insane. Yeah. That's kind of a a kind of story I haven't heard before. Like they were all children for one Mm -hmm. and two, like they weren't even her her kids. She wasn't even related to them or anything. No. And she was like in the caretaker role over them because she was a nurse like Mm -hmm. it's just insane so yeah that was sad that was a really sad one five children yeah um the next one um her name is amy archer gilligan and she this was an early one early 1900s she ran a nursing home and back then um this was when like quaker religion was like still a thing like Mm. like she grew up as a quaker uh, from what i was reading and so it wasn't very um common like there's so many nursing homes and assisted livings and all this stuff like around the u.s today but it wasn't really a thing back then so people would run them out of their houses and just take care of people and they were it was limited so she was one of the only nursing homes in the area and 48 people ended up dying in her care there. And one of the last people that died, um, their family called for like an extended autopsy because they were like, everyone is going to this place and dying. Mm-hmm. And so then, yeah, she was convicted. But anyways, so many of the patients who were under her care had named Amy as a beneficiary beneficiary on their insurance so, of course, when they die, then she's going to get the money. So, right. 48 people did end up dying in her own care. Um, she murdered her victims with arsenic, so she would poison them. Um, and although she was only prosecuted for one of those murders, which was the last one, um, it's believed that she killed all 48 of those people. Um And then when she was actually sentenced, it was the year 1917, and she was sentenced to prison on conviction of this one murder, Uh, but later she was transferred to a psych hospital, and her upbringing, there wasn't much about her because this was kind of a while back, but I did find that mental illness ran in her family. Her brother and her sister both had extended stays in mental hospitals. And so obviously mental illness illness ran in her family and you're mentally ill if you're going to like kill a bunch of people. Yeah. 
Yeah. But like mental illness was a, something that ran in her family. And it was interesting that she was in prison, but then later transferred to a psych hospital because she obviously had some mental issues going on there. So that was Amy Archer Gilligan. That's really sad. And kind of eerie that like the last one Beverly Allen and then Amy were both like in the health industry healthcare industry that's really mm-hmm. scary yeah like in that that caretaker position mm-hmm. yeah and like at that time like there were not laws like there are today to protect patients mm-hmm. so very interesting Insane. this next one is similar to Amy um her name was Nanny Doss she was also known as the giggling granny because okay. a lot of people said like she was always giggling, always bubbly, happy, giggling I, granny. <laughs> I, if I was a serial killer, I would literally sue someone if that was my nickname. Yeah. The she had granny. the giggling granny. She also had a few other nicknames. One of them was like the lonely hearts killer. Oh. Because. I, that's one. That's better, honestly. Yeah. But, like, growing up, she was, like, fascinated by, like, romance magazines. And that's kind of how she got that name. Interesting. Um, All right. So, Nanny. Her MO was poisoning as well. And usually with arsenic, sometimes rat poison. Um, So, there were two different sources that had contradictory statements about how many people she murdered. Um, Murderpedia.org said she definitely murdered two of her kids, her sister. Her sister's name was Dovey. Oh, that's actually so so cute. cute. I know. Her mother, her one of her mother-in-laws and her grandson, as well as four out of five of her husbands. Encyclopedia of Alabama.org said she definitely murdered four of her husbands out of five, but she suspected of murdering the others mentioned above. So I think she did murder everybody (laughs) that was listed. Um, But her husbands would suddenly pass away. And just like in the last one we talked about, she was only charged with the murder of her last husband, Samuel Doss. But it's highly suspected that she murdered everybody else. Um, she in prison would claim that money was not her motive, but she would collect the life insurance money from her husband's deaths. Like I mentioned before, she was only charged for the death of her last husband, Samuel Doss, because the doctor suspected foul play. And when she was brought in for questioning, she admitted to everything. She was sentenced to life in prison in 1955. Since she was a woman, she was not given the death penalty. And she died at Oklahoma State Penitentiary in 1965 from leukemia. So she was in jail for 10 years. And she, she was actually diagnosed with leukemia shortly after she was sentenced to prison. So she basically battled for like 10 years. She, that was kind of sexist. Well, that was actually sexist if she didn't get the death penalty. Yeah, because she was a woman. I know. And I'm like, you know, like in that case, like, why wouldn't that be on the table for her? She murdered people. She murdered a lot of people. Yeah. Especially if she admitted to it. mm Mm-hmm. She admitted to it. Um, Now, her childhood, just like the other ones, was kind of rough. 
I, in all my research, I didn't see anything about like sexual abuse, physical abuse, nothing like that. Um, but her family was very poor. She was very poorly educated. She could barely read. Um, her dad made her and her four siblings work on the farm instead of go to school. So that's hard on any kid. Um, she was on a train with her family one time when she was young, around seven years old. The train suddenly stopped and she banged her head on the metal bar of the seat in front of her. And she said for years after this, she had terrible, severe headaches, dizziness. She blacked out at times. And she blamed this for why she murdered her family and for her mental instability. Um, I have headaches all the time. I get bad migraines and I would not murder someone. <laughs> yeah. So that's the wow. giggling granny. <laughs> Well, I think that's interesting um, what you mentioned, like how she was always giggling and like always happy seemingly, but she had a really dark side mm -hmm. and killed a lot of members of her family. That's just like crazy. Yeah. In fact, I think it was Murderpedia, like in their little like hook to try and get you to read the rest of it. Mm -hmm. It said like, on the outside, she looked like this friendly, warm neighbor who was always baking, hanging out with friends, but she was like a cold-blooded killer lurking inside. That's absolutely insane. Know, That's so scary. scary. I know. Well, it's kind of interesting when you think about the similarities that are um, in people's upbringing, serial killers, both male and female. Um in psychology today because we really wanted to focus on like what are the the underlying factors that are similar for everyone and in psychology today it says um although most female serial killers murder for money or other profit some do it for the attention and sympathy they receive following the death of someone they cared for it is not uncommon for female comfort slash gain killers to be employed as caretakers in nursing homes for the elderly which is very interesting very interesting very spooky um <laughs> why because... are we so ominous <laughs> <laughs> i don't want um, to put a bad name on like anyone in the healthcare profession <laughs> like this is like a very few percentage of people <laughs> right um but that is one of our examples. She was a caretaker um, for the elderly. And then the other one um, who overdosed the five children, she was mm -hmm. a nurse. Um, so that was interesting that that's kind of a similar underlying factor or just like the caretaker role that um, women play. So then the National Institute of Health, we were doing even more research. And it says that research has suggested that the profile of all serial murderer, murderers typically include abuse during childhood. And this includes physical, mental, or sexual abuse in childhood. And this is for men and women. So, obviously, a lot of these ladies that we have highlighted, um, they fit this stereotype. They were abused as children um, or they suffered from mental illness as we were reading about the serial killers i was thinking about the whole nature versus nurture debate that's super big in the true crime world like if you listen to any true crime podcast you 
have definitely heard them talk about this. But it's really interesting because with nature versus nurture, it's a debate about whether somebody is born evil or born a serial killer, or if they were shaped that way in their childhood. And so, as we mentioned, like a lot of serial killers are very badly abused in all sorts of ways and every way you can think of growing up. And so they are kind of molded into a serial killer. But with the nature debate, it's like they were just born that way. Like no matter if they lived the richest life with the best family in the world and everything they could ever want, they would still turn out that way. So with Nanny Doss in particular, I think she would have been a nature example which to me, like I, I typically think that most serial killers fall under the nurture category, but in all my research, I didn't really see anything about her being abused as, as a child. She was very poor, but I didn't see anything about being abused. And so I think even if she had the best life in the world, she would have turned out a serial killer. And I just think it's really interesting like with the other three, they were all extremely abused. And so they had specific motives. No, I think that's really interesting. I, like I kind of said before, I I don't really like dark things or like scary things. So I will listen to true crime podcasts like occasionally, but a lot of times I get scared. So I don't listen to them. So I don't, I'm not as familiar with the nature and nurture debate with serial killers or like with people who do these commit these evil acts um I obviously know what it is but that was interesting like I definitely can see how it's it's just interesting to think about the differences in like were were they just born this way or did something happen that really flipped a switch in them and made them do these evil things like they obviously chose it but very interesting for sure The main goal of this episode was to talk about the resources that are available because I think all the cases we talked about were like in the 1900s, so obviously these weren't in place for them, but we are so fortunate today to have resources like this. So if you're struggling with any sort of mental illness, even if you feel like you have very, very low anxiety, get help. Talk to somebody. The one that we want to point out is um, NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, We'll link their website in the show notes, but if you go to their website, they have all sorts of information. They have support groups, individual help, FAQs, mental health education, and a ton of other resources to look at. They also have a hotline that you can call. Their number is 1-800-950-6264. And if you're in a crisis, you can get 24-hour help. They have trained crisis counselors round the clock. You can text NAMI to 741-741. And um, one of the other things that we found as like a common denominator for these upbringings was rape or sexual abuse in childhood. So we've highlighted this resource in past episodes, but RAIN.org, it's the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network, R-A-I-N-N. And they're the largest anti-sexual violence organization. So you can go to rain.org for resources and support. They have so many resources on there from um, all the different stages of, of sexual abuse, healing, reporting, you know, recovering, all that stuff. Um, they have a hotline, 
you can call 800-656-HOPE. And this is a 24-hour free confidential hotline, so they're not going to report anything to the police. They're not going to tell anyone that you know because this is confidential. Um, So even if you just want to talk and figure out what your resources are, then definitely go and check that out. And you can definitely call their hotline 24 hours a day. And um, we did do an episode a while back. I know we have a lot more listeners, uh, new listeners now. But episode five, we highlighted how to report sexual assault. So we also listed some more resources in episode five. So if you need any more help, then go ahead and check out um, our episode five. The title of it is Reporting Sexual Assault. So listen to that anywhere where you can listen to Real Talk. And with that, have a happy spooky Halloween. I hope you guys all have fun plans. We're still trying to decide what we're going to do. Yeah. I mean, it's on a I don't even have a costume. I want to go to a Halloween party. Like, I've never been to a Halloween party in adulthood. So I think that we should go. I want to wear, like, a fun costume, like, and just go out and have fun. I do, too. So well, we'll, we'll update you guys, you guys with our stories. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll put something on the story and see what you guys are doing for Halloween. But, yeah, we just wanted to do this episode for spooky season and... Yeah, we hope you guys enjoy your spooky Halloween day and thank you guys so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode or if you've enjoyed listening to any of our episodes, please share it with your friends. Um, You can share the links. You can share anything on your Instagram stories or anything like that. Just we have resources that are super shareable. Listen to it together. Yes, so fun. So definitely just share it with everyone that you know if you like our podcast. And we would really appreciate that. Let's just grow our community and grow our little family of Real Talk About Feminism listeners. Thank you so much, guys. Have a fun Halloween and be safe. Bye.